invite you this morning to turn me to Revelation chapter 2. We're going to look at verse 1 through verse 7 this morning. The title of the message is Keeping the Fire Burning. Keeping the Fire Burning. Now this is a familiar passage, I'm certain, for most all of you. And it's the passage where the Lord tells the church at Ephesus that they had left their first love. That they had left their first love. And so uh, when I say keep the fire burning, I know you may have made this statement before referring to your marriage or, or a relationship where you need to keep the fire burning. Well, we're going to talk about that when we think about our relationship with the Lord this morning and uh, as he addresses the church that had left their first love. And I know that today all of us, if we've been saved longer than probably five minutes, we can relate to the fact that often we seem to leave our first love. Amen? So this morning, Revelation chapter 2, verse 1 through verse 7 the scripture says this to the angel of the church in Ephesus write the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands says this I know your deeds and your toil and your perseverance and that you cannot tolerate evil, tolerate evil men and you put to test those who call themselves apostles and they are not and you found them to be false and you have perseverance and have endured for my name's sake, and have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Therefore remember from where you have fallen, and repent, and do the deeds you did at first. Or else I am coming to you, and will remove your lampstand out of its place, unless you repent. Yes, or yet, this you do have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Father, we come to you this morning. And Lord, I just pray right now, Father, you'd speak to our hearts. And Lord God, that you would just do a mighty work supernaturally that only you could do this morning. Father, I know that every last one of us, Lord God, even myself, today, God, we need to hear from you. God, we need to be, respond in obedience to what you speak to us, Lord. God, I know that, Father, there's lives that need to be changed here today. And so, God, I am praying and believing for that. Lord, God, once again, not just out of routine, but, God, out of the authority you've given us as your children and by the power of the shed blood of Jesus, we demand that the devil be gone, that any spirit other than the Holy Spirit be gone. And precious Holy Spirit of God, continue to dwell and work amongst us today, Lord. God, I pray that I might be a clean vessel today. If there be anything in my life that, Lord God, I have not repented of, Lord, I just pray it be gone, that I might be able to be used by you in the way you desire, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. So this morning as we think about keeping the fire burning, I want us just to look at five different things this morning. Number one, determine who your first love should be. And I know this morning this is seemingly elementary, but I want us to start there because that's the starting point we need to go to. Who should be our first love this morning? Well, it shouldn't, just, it shouldn't be our spouse, amen? Somebody just got an elbow, right? It shouldn't be our children. As important as our spouses are, as important as our children are, it shouldn't be our grandchildren. I've graduated in the last two years on that, got grandbabies too, amen? Love them to death, but guess what? They too are not supposed to be our first love. They're not supposed to be the ones who get first place in our life, who is number one in our life when it comes to our relationship, that intimacy of life. Listen, I want to just share a couple passages with you. First of all, Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. This is Jesus, and you most likely have heard me quote this passage before, where he's been just kind of raked over the coals by the Sadducees and the Pharisees, and the lawyer comes up to him, and he asks him, he asks him the question, what is the greatest commandment? 
uh, of all he asked him. And listen to what Jesus tells him. And it answers our question of what and who should be our first love. He says in verse 37 of Matthew chapter 22, he says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. And if you remember, there's a second commandment that Jesus brings out, and he says the second in verse 39 is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, Jesus has got to be your first love. There's no if and buts about it. Amen? There's nothing circumstantial that can change that. There's never going to be a change in the Word of God where you think, well, if this happens, well, then this is who's going to be my first love. No. It is Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And second is your neighbor. Amen? But notice this. There's a passage of Scripture here that is kind of hard to interpret if you will it's pretty powerful in Luke chapter 14 notice what Jesus says here when we think about him so, supposed to be uh, our first love Luke chapter 14 verse 26 it says this if anyone comes to me in other words if anyone comes to him uh, coming to be his child to be a born-again believer to be saved he says and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters Yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now we know without a shadow of a doubt, the Lord God is not contradicting himself and telling us that we're supposed to hate someone, right? But he is telling us that our love for him, that him being our first love, is to be so extreme, so far beyond, so much higher than anyone else that we love, that it could be appeared that we even hate the others, amen? There's that much difference. Now I know today, man, that is very difficult. Uh, I mentioned grandbabies, I mentioned spouse, I mentioned children. Man, I've got all three of those. And I love them with everything in my heart. And I see them and we experience life together. And often it's hard to realize that Jesus, who I don't see with my eyes, that I'm going to love him greater than all of them. But that's the truth today, amen? We are to love him. He is to be our first love. So determine who your first love should be. And that's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Amen. Second of all, determine who or what your first love is. Today we need to determine who or what our first love is. We know the biblical answer, the Sunday school answer, Jesus is to be our first love. So now let's determine who or what our first love is. And I want to give you some help this morning on how you can determine that. Number one, answer the question, of who or what you think the most about. Who or what do you think the most about? What consumes your mind? Well, I know for me, I've mentioned this probably briefly with you guys before, but one of the strongholds that I've had in my life from the day I was saved, and it often trickles in, and, and often I wonder if it's something that God just keeps me humble with, everything else. Well, it's worry and anxiety and things like that. And so often my mind is consumed about what ifs and what if this happens? Is this okay with me? Am I, am I sick? Or is this, you know, it's always constantly consumed. And guess who's the number one person involved in those thoughts? me. Well, who's influenced those thoughts? Yes, is Satan, but the, the subject or the, the focus of those thoughts is me. And I know where to take care of ourselves and to care about ourselves and everything else, but my mind should not be consumed about me, 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 me. What about me? What about this? What about me? Right? So let your thoughts kind of show you who or what your first love is. But not only your thoughts today, if we were to check our checkbook, our credit card statement, this can indicate who or what our first love is. What do we spend the majority of our money on? 
I know today everything, right? It go, everything is sky high and crazy. But really, we can look at our credit card statements, our checkbooks, our spending habits, and look at that and we can see who or what is our first love. Who or what has possibly taken first place in our life. But not only our checkbook and our credit card statement and things of that nature, but we also can look at our calendar, can't we? And see what our schedule displays. Who or what gets the majority of our time? Is it Jesus or is it something else or someone else? And if it's something else or someone else, then Jesus is not our first love. Amen? No matter what you say today, listen, I, I have been in youth ministry and I've been in the pastorate for years and now in evangelism and even in my own life, I know how this struggle is and I've watched and I've ministered and man, there's always the arguing and the debating of this and that and man, you can, it's okay to have this in your life and do this and do that and, and man, especially referring to hobbies and I'm here to tell you, I'm very thankful that we can have hobbies and we can enjoy things that God gives us and everything else but man, I'm telling you this for certain, the majority of us ride the fence often of letting those hobbies enjoy us and control us don't we I don't know enough about this church yet to make this statement of whether or not I'm going to offend anybody but it doesn't matter a whole lot if Jesus is telling me to say it amen but man we've got one of the biggest idols that has ever been, existed called travel ball and I promise you this right now, and some of my own family members right now are spending hundreds upon hundreds of dollars right now to neglect the local church and to go out and chase baseball, softball, AU basketball, and the list goes on and on and on. There's all kinds of stuff out there. And you say, well, Brother Greg, are you against sports? No, I'm not. I enjoy them. I enjoy watching my children play them, but I don't let them play us. Amen? Man, there's so many things. If we look at our calendar, and listen, I go ahead and get it myself here. There's often times I question when it comes to deer hunting, because I, I like it. I try not to use the word love, but I like hunting a lot. Man, I like it. And I question it often. God, am I wrong here? Especially in the heat of the moment when I know it's the rut. Man, I try to go every much. If I sleep two hours, it don't matter. I'm still getting up and going, you know, those times. Man, I like it. And so listen, am I telling you hunting's wrong? No, praise God it's not. <laughs> but if it takes more of your time than Jesus gets, if it consumes your time more than Jesus gets, then there's something wrong, amen? Going back to the travel ball thing, I'll never forget years ago, I had a couple that had got on fire for the Lord. They were serving faithfully in the local church. Man, they were there every time the doors opened. And they had a little girl. She grew up. And she had a very, very awesome gift at pitching. And here came the travel ball coach. And early on, I felt like I could still influence. I'm talking about they, they, they jumped all in with both feet. Flying here and flying there. I'm talking about crazy. And I'll never forget when the daddy said, well, we're just, and he, they had plenty of money trying to get a scholarship. I'm not trying to, against trying to get scholarships. They said, we're well, trying to get a scholarship. And I said, listen, I said, the money you're spending on plane tickets, gas, gate fees, concession, motels, and the list goes on and on, guess what? You can get that girl in Harvard. And that's, that's serious. And I'm telling you today, just recently, one of my buddies is pastoring that church right now, and they are so far from God, and their marriage is this close to ending. We need to look at our calendar and see who our first love is. Amen? 
enjoy sports. You've got a child that's gifted in sports. Man, enjoy it with them, but you had better teach them who their first love should be. Amen? You had better show them by example who their first love should be. Amen? But not only looking and, and thinking about our thoughts, our checkbook, our, our, our credit card statements, our calendar, but then also if we'd listen to our conversation, we might get an indication of who our first love or what our first love is. Going back to myself, man, I'd love pulling that phone out. Look at this. Look what I killed. Look at what I caught. Again, is that wrong? No. For some of you wives out there, can't wait to get home. I told you hunting and fishing, you do too. No. <laughs> it's not wrong. He said, what did he tell Peter? It's, listen, before I even say this, I want you to know that this is kind of a, I don't know. Let's just throw it out there. He said, rise, kill, and eat. Amen. Can I get an amen right there? He told Peter that, right? And I know he wasn't talking, well, he wasn't talking about killing some animals. But man, my conversation often can be consumed by things surrounded again by who? And accomplished surrounded again, accomplishment, accomplishments surrounded again by who? Me. And, and here's something that's so funny, because I've done this before. We're good at this. We'll say all these things often describing possibly something or someone that's our first love, and we end it with this. Man, God's really blessed me. Well, that doesn't take away if that person or that thing has become your first love. And just because you say, God's blessed me, that doesn't take it away. Amen? Because I'm telling you, I've been through this. And I just continue to use myself as an example. I like to hunt a whole bunch. And there's been times in my life where I've rode that fence and even possibly jumped over the fence and it become an idol. And, and man, I'd be like, man, I love it. Man, I, I killed this deer and I killed that deer. Man, God's really blessed me. And the whole time my heart be like, well, man, you might need to slow down a little bit. You don't have to go every day. Amen? So, man, I challenge you today that we would look to our lives and we would determine who our first love is. And then third of all, we need to determine how we left our first love. In other words, what was the enemy's tactics? Because here's the thing today, all of us, no doubt, I said five minutes a while ago, but that really is not true. If we've been saved more than maybe five days, let's go there. We've most likely left our first love in some point in time. We've struggled with our relationship with the Lord and Him being first. That's probably happened, right? And so what are the enemy's tactics often in drawing us away from our first love? Well, number one, let's just think about this today. Maybe often it's because we stop spending time with Him through prayer and being in his word I'm certain for all of us that is often it may not be what happened first to draw us away but ultimately it does happen once we leave our first love the reading of his word and spending time in his word letting him speak to us through his word time in prayer and then of course the local assembling together and the worship of God together in corporate worship that kind of goes by the wayside doesn't it we get too busy too tired too distracted, whatever, and we stop spending as much time with him, and it causes, the enemy uses that to cause us to leave our first love, doesn't it? But maybe, number two, we start taking him for granted. We do that to so many other people in our lives, don't we? 
We just assume they're always going to be there. They're always going to take care of us. They're always going to be, be there for us. We do Jesus the same way, don't we? And we begin to just kind of take him for granted, not even acknowledging him, not even having gratitude or appreciation for him and just kind of just know he's always going to be there to catch me when I fall. And that too draws us away from our first love, doesn't it? Or maybe number three, maybe you have allowed the enemy to draw you away through all the many broken promises and the failures of our life. We get into this rut where, well, man, I've had 14 broken promises now. What's another one? It doesn't matter that much, right? I've been this long from not serving the Lord and, and falling away and, and, and leaving my first love. Well, what's another day? And Satan will use that to continue to just draw you from your first love. Or maybe number four, you've let your love for the Lord just kind of grow cold and stale. Because let me remind you folks, listen. You, you've heard me share that old illustration about the older man and the woman married together, remember? Driving down the road in the pickup truck. 40 years later, she's up against the door. He's still in the same place. Who, who moved? It was her. Remember that story I shared with you? Listen, if today you are not on fire, loving Jesus with all you've got, it's nothing to do with him, I promise you 100%. It's us that's allowed that love relationship to grow cold and stale. It's our fault, amen? Or maybe number five, You've forgotten how awesome God is, what He's done, what He's going to do, and what He is doing in your life. We'll address that again in just a moment, but listen, that can draw you away from the Lord and Him being your first love. Or maybe last of all, when we think about determining what Satan has used to draw us away from our first love, maybe you've just been deceived until today that you're okay. Maybe right now you're just realizing that, hey, maybe I have left my first love. Maybe he's deceived you. Maybe his, his real tactic was he deceived you into thinking you're okay. And I think today that is really and truly one of the uh, weapons or tools, if you will, that he is using in a great way today. Constantly, I'd say whispering, but I believe he's screaming in so many people's ears today, you're okay, you're okay, you're okay. And listen, there are false prophet after false prophet from television to radio. And when I say radio, I'm not just talking about the, the uh, ones that call themselves preachers. But if you listen to the Christian radio stations that I love and support, if you listen to some of the DJs, if you'd call them on there, they're good about telling you that you're okay, you're okay, you're okay. I've probably addressed this already a little bit, but I'm telling you, it is a rampant, growing false teaching out there today. And it is really just impact the, the worship industry and music industry where even the songs are written today to make you think you're okay. When everybody today, listen, we know I'm not okay, folks. Man, I wake up every morning recognizing I am a broken, fallen man in desperate need of Jesus' power and his leadership in my life. Just as much as I needed it September 14th of 97 when I turned to him for salvation, I need it just as desperate right now. I am not okay. And contrary to popular belief today, Jesus is not okay with my sin either. Man, there's one song out there, and it's probably a little rabbit I'm chasing, but I'm going to go ahead and chase that dude down. Amen? There's one song out there that makes me physically ill. 
and there's a part of it right here, and the part the song starts like this. This is a Christian song, you probably heard it. He's not mad at you. He's not disappointed. That's how the song starts. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Does he love me? Yes. He loves me greatly, and he demonstrated, even yet when I was a sinner, Christ suffered and died for me, but he is disappointed in me, and he is mad at my sin. I'm not okay. So maybe some of you today, that's the way Satan's drawed you away from your first love and deceiving you and making, th making you think you're okay. You're just fine. Years ago, I sat at an Applebee's in Eldorado, Arkansas. I'd taken a young man hunting. He was in our community, and man, his life was just undone. Adultery, drugs, all kinds of stuff, but he liked hunting. And I took him, and I can never forget, man, we took him, I put him on the stand, and the dude was there, listen, before I ever got to my stand, we were bow hunting, before I ever got to my stand, I was praying, God bless him, I want him to kill something, remember this trip, because I knew I was going to be sharing the gospel. Before I ever got to my stand, he shot an eight point and killed an eight point. I'm like, yes. I'm like, man, this is, this is exactly what I've been praying for. We get to Applebee's that night. We sit down. We begin to enjoy our meal. And I begin to share the gospel with him. And when we all get to the end, I'm like, well, man, is there, you know, he's not kind of non-responsive, but I'm like, well, man, is there anything I can pray for? Are there things in your life right now that you want to change or things that, that, you know, that you know are just kind of holding you back or whatever for where the Lord has for you? Is there anything I can pray for? And he looks at me, and I'm, he's like, well, Man, no, I'm good, man. Everything's all right. And I'm like, one of those jaw-dropping moments. I'm like, all right, are you ripped for, is he joking with me? And he said, I'm telling you, and I'm looking at his facial expressions, and he believed he was totally okay, that his life was exactly where it needed to be. And I'm telling you today, that's exactly how Satan works, isn't it? He will deceive us and make us think we're okay when we're not. Now listen, once again, let me throw this disclaimer out there. Don't let Satan beat you up with guilt. If you know there's sin in your life that you have repented of, that's under the blood of Jesus, that you are no longer living in, don't let Satan beat you up with guilt. Amen? Don't let him hold you back with guilt and condemnation because God has forgiven you, God has cleansed you, then you live in that beauty of that. Amen? And be thankful for it. But don't ever be deceived thinking that you're okay and you got it all together either, amen? So determine how Satan drew you away from your first love. What, what was his tactics? And then last of all this morning, determine a plan of action. Let us determine a plan of action. And it's very simple here. We go back to the text in verse 5. He lays it out for us. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen and repent... Do the deed you did at first, or else I'm coming to you and will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. So what do we need to do? Three things simply right here. I believe verse 5 tells us we need to do in our plan of action to get him back to our first love. Well, of course, number one is simple, and we need to repent. Amen? We need to truly repent. We, need to, we don't need to just slow down on sinning. We don't need to just try to do more good things. We don't need to just try to work harder. We need to biblically repent. He says it more than once in verse 5, doesn't he? Therefore remember for where you have fallen and repent. And then he closes it out in verse 5 and he says, unless you repent, I'm going to do this, he says, unless you repent. 
And so we need to just biblically repent if we're going to get back to our first love, Jesus, and be back in the intimate relationship that he desires, and not only desires, but demands that we have with him. We need to biblically repent. And just to give you a biblical example of what biblical repentance is, it's not, as I've already said, slowing down or, or feeling bad about your sin. No, it's quitting it and determining and deciding that I'm not going to do whatever that is again. Amen? I'm not going back to doing whatever that is that's causing me to walk away from the Lord and not be where I'm supposed to be in my first love with Jesus. Truly repent. Really make your mind up that you're going to get rid of whatever that is. Or, as James says, the him who knows to do good and does not do it, it is sin to them. Or making that true commitment that I'm going to do what I know I'm supposed to do. Because there's a lot of us maybe in here this morning, man, you're not out there doing all what we would call those big sins and doing this and doing that and you shouldn't be doing, but maybe you're not doing what you should do, right? You're not serving where you're supposed to serve, and, and we'll talk about that in just a minute and really, truly giving it all you've got for the Lord and His kingdom work. So repent. Second of all, we need to remember and testify of all of God's beauty and His miracles and all the things he, He's done and is doing and is going to do. Listen to what He says here again, verse 5. He says, Therefore remember from where you have fallen. In other words, remember where you once were. Remember from where you have fallen. Remember where you were. Remember the day you were born again. Remember those early days as you began to walk with the Lord and you were so on fire for Him. And, and man, you couldn't go to bed without praying to Him and spending time in His Word. You couldn't go through a day without testifying of His beauty and what He'd done in your life. Remember where you've fallen. We need to remember some things, amen? We need to remember those moments when, man, our conversation was more filled with Him than us. We were never to remember when our thoughts were more consumed by Him and what He was doing in our life and what the future held for us. We need to be excited again. I love, I think it's the church at Laodicea. Laodicea, he tells us in chapter 3 here, remember he says, repent and be zealous. Man, we need to have some excitement in our life and passion again, right? So we need to remember from where we've fallen and testify of the Lord again. And then third of all, not only repent and remember, but we need to return. Notice again, he says this, Therefore remember from where you have fallen, and repent, and he says this, And do the deeds you did at first. Do the deeds you did at first. We need to return back to faithful serving the Lord. Amen? We need to return again to giving Him first place. I'll never forget as a pastor, especially the last church I was at was kind of a larger church. And so we were constantly needing people to, to teach, people to serve in this area. And then, of course, after all the horrible shootings and everything else, we put together a security team. And so now, then we got a list out there for a security team. And then we had list after list after list. And I'm not against lists, but I'm telling you today, you know how we can get to the place where we'll never have to make a list again and we can just throw them away? When we as the body of Christ would return... And do the deeds we first did. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? When you truly got saved, you were born again, you were constantly thinking about, man, what can I do in the church? What can I serve? How can I do this? 
I don't know if I shared this with you guys or not, but right here at New Chapel Hill, I remember I told y'all last week about the potter and the clay, how I wanted to teach Sunday school and everything else, and it wasn't the right time and all that. Well, guess what? One thing that was the right time and for you know what it was, the place I could serve in the church? Mopping up water in the baptistry. That was my first place, I'll remember just like it was yesterday, my first place to really serve in the church where it was me doing something and I wasn't just tagging along, I was doing something. Man, my pastor would get in there, Brother Clyde Sanchez, we'd have a group of men, women, boys or girls, they'd be getting ready to get baptized. I'd get to grab arms with my pastor and with those folks being baptized, we'd pray over them, they'd go in that baptistry water, they'd get on the edge there, they'd stand out, they'd get their town, they'd walk to where they'd go in their changing room and I'd come right behind them and I'd mop up the water. And I was, don't remind my wife of that amen she'd be expecting that at home but I'd be so happy because I was serving my king in his house amen we need to remember as I said while ago we need to return to doing those deeds we need to do that amen and I can remember countless things in that time of my life and and even on as, as time went on for sure too but man of where there was just area after area Oh, they're having a work day at church? Okay, I'm being, what a question. I'm there. Oh, they're, they're going to the baseball fields in Union Parish. They're going to clean the bathrooms, getting ready for spring, and, and put up gospel messages and stuff. I'm there. Man, all those different things. We need to remember that, but we need to return to it too, don't we? Because a lot of times, listen, we'll remember what we once did, and we'll get satisfied. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, did, I remember doing that, and I did my part. Uh-uh. That's not biblical. We've never done our part. Amen? There's no such thing. Get, get that in our heart right now. There's no such thing as doing your part, clocking out, retiring. No, sir. You say, well, when I get to heaven, no, when you get to heaven, it's going to get kicked into high gear because we're going to be with Jesus and we're going to really worship then. Amen? So we need to repent, we need to remember, and we need to return, don't we?